Welcome to Mommy Diary, the podcast. I'm your host, Angela Kim. I'm a creative, lifestyle blogger, and mom of four. This podcast is all about honest stories of motherhood and real conversations with real mothers just like you. Unlike my Instagram account, not everything will be beautiful. I promise to be vulnerable and share stories of all the struggles and the incredible moments we all share as women and mothers. So do me a favor and screenshot this episode, add it to your IG stories, then tag me at Mommy Diary. I'd love to feature you on my Insta stories. We're all in this together, mamas. Let's dive into the show. Hi, you guys. Welcome back to Mommy Diary, the podcast. Wow, I know I say this every week and I'm sorry to sound like a broken record, but things are so hard right now and I'm sure you guys can all relate. Like this entire year, 2020, of motherhood is like no other motherhood experience I've ever experienced in my entire 15, almost 16 years of becoming a mom. The stress is real, the lack of space, the lack of privacy, the lack of relief. You know, before when we're stressed out or when we feel overwhelmed with work, we're able to go, you know, get a pedicure without you know, being scared right now, I've done a few manicures because of my work. But every time I feel so much anxiety even being there, you know, because it's a, you know, I have to like come in contact with another person, even though my um, the nail lady, she always has her mask and there's a like a barrier between us. It's still scary. And I completely discontinued all my unnecessary. I mean, it was very necessary until this year. Like my lash appointment, I'm not doing that anymore. I'm just, you know, doing whatever, you know, like facials that I used to love. I don't do that anymore. Like there's really no relief. So it's no wonder that we feel so overwhelmed, you know, and I don't know when this is going to end. But I'm just really feeling a lot of anxiety and nervousness around everything, you know, things in my life and things in the culture, in our society, just in the country. I know you guys are all feeling this energy and I just want to say you're not alone. And, you know, a lot of my spiritual friends, you know, I listen to a lot of spiritual podcasts and spend, spend a lot of time reading those books. Although, you know, recently I haven't had time to do so, you know, reading spiritual books, it's always very restoring and calming and balancing. And I know that this is a year of necessity for us. You know, it's something that we have to go through as a civilization. You know, as hard as it is, I know this is a time of uh, like a collective awakening, a huge change and transformation a lot of this ugly stuff is coming out and coming to light and we have to deal with them. A lot of these issues that we've just swept under the rug for many years. And I feel like that's a lot like motherhood in a lot of ways. So today I want to talk about 10 tips for new mothers because I realize a lot of the content I share these days, because I've been doing this for so long, you know, being a mom and just functioning as a mother first and an individual second, I've kind of gotten used to this. But I know there's a lot of you out there who are new to this and you guys are lost, especially in 2020. 
Some of you guys are pregnant right now with your first or your second children, or maybe you're not even pregnant, but you're just needing some kind of, you know, guidance because motherhood is in your future plans and you don't know how to make that fit into this really hectic and chaotic life that we're living this year. So today I wanted to go over 10 tips for new moms. I want to try to keep it as simple as possible just because I know that a lot of us don't have the time. And (laughs) frankly, I don't have a lot of time to record. My kids are still home. And right now I just found like quick, like 30 minutes, 40 minutes to record. I'm hoping that my kids are going to be well behaved. Um, my son is watching something. My daughter's in her room. My oldest daughter is in therapy. Baby's napping. So let's just pray that <laughs> this goes as planned. And if it doesn't, I know you guys are, you know, used to this, but just please have some grace because just like you, I am just pushing through this really difficult time and, you know, doing what we can. And I know a lot of you guys have told me that this reassurance makes you guys feel better. So, If you've heard it before, that's why I keep repeating myself in this way over and over again, because this has not ended. The struggle is real and it's continuing even well into the holiday season. So with that said, that was a long intro, but with that said, number one, aim for progress, not perfection. Nothing in motherhood is going to be perfect. Trust me, your baby is not going to be changed right away when, you know, he or she wets her diaper. There's going to be times when the baby has to wait in their dirty tight diaper because something else is more pressing. It's not going to be perfect. The rooms are not going to be perfect. You may forget to order some things. Like recently, I realized I have no long sleeve onesies for my daughter who has outgrown all her stuff. I mean, the way babies outgrow their clothes is insane. I always think my kids have enough because as far as I know, I've spent thousands and thousands of dollars on my children's clothing and it seems like, it feels like it's happening every week, but it's still never enough because, you know, I've given away a lot of my children's outgrown stuff and I realize my fourth daughter doesn't have onesies because I've given away all of her older brother's clothes thinking that we're not going to have any more children, which by the way... I've heard that when you give away your baby's clothing is when you get pregnant again. It's like a superstition. (laughs) But for me, it's happened. It's the weirdest thing. As soon as I give away all my things, thinking that, okay, I'm done with having children and, you know, uh, I want a fresh start and I want to minimize everything, these things that I have and I personally don't like having things. I'm not a hoarder. I like, I'm a giver. So I like to give out things, you know, nothing brings me greater joy than, you know, giving away, you know, children's clothing or shoes or whatever my kids have enjoyed because I love seeing that on other children. It's just a way of being, not only being, you know, environmentally friendly, but it's also a great way to spread the joy, you know, and the kindness and goodness into the world. So I personally love to give things, but every time I do, for some reason, I end up having another baby. So even my fourth baby doesn't have like basics. So I had to run to the store last minute, right before a trip to stock up. And, you know, I always laugh at myself like, man, this is like endless. This motherhood, journey is endless. This process of remembering and organizing and writing things down and shopping and 
taking care of things and meal planning and meal prepping and cleaning. I mean, even as I say these, it's exhausting, right? I mean, it's exhausting. So, you know, there are so many pieces to the puzzle and they're all, there are a lot of moving parts and they all have to move at the right time. At the same time, I should say, simultaneously. And, you know, if you find that you're forgetting things, it's okay. Don't be so hard on yourself. I'm very type A and, you know, I'm a very organized person or I used to be until I had children. Oh, my baby's awake, but my in-laws are here. So I'm hoping that they can keep her company for a little bit. But yeah, aim for progress and not perfection. Don't be so hard on yourself. You know, I've been a mom for 15, almost 16 years. I have four children and I like to think that I'm pretty good at this motherhood stuff. I am most of the time, but even I don't do it perfectly. So aim for progress. Progress is enough. Perfection is unnecessary. It's impossible. And it's only going to make you feel more guilty, which leads to my next point. Number two, second tip for new moms. Mom guilt is normal and it's very real and it's very natural. So don't trip over that too much. You know, I remember when I was a first time mom, I used to think too much about mom guilt. Like, why am I feeling so guilty? And I feel guilty when I do this. I feel guilty when my kids are on the screen or when I'm tired of watching them. I want to get away, you know, when I'm like hiding out in my closet or my bathroom because I want, you know, two minutes away. And even then my kids still come find me and sorry to break it to you, but it continues even when your children are older. My older daughters are always walking into me all the time. Mom, mom, as soon as I'm in the bathroom, for some reason, they know I'm in there. They're looking for me. Or now my teenager is blowing up my phone. She'll text me, mom, 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 like endlessly. And I just, and she set up this like tone, a separate tone for her text messages. So whenever she texts me, I get this like special sound for Tess and it gives me anxiety. I'm like, oh no, she's texting me again. And, you know, I, I never, I got her a cell phone for her safety when she was in school because she was going to school in a place that was farther away. But now, I mean, now that she's home, whenever the text goes off, I know it's just another stupid question that she wants to ask me about what she wants to buy or she wants to see a friend or whatever it is. So it happens doesn't really end you know sorry to break it to you but you know your kids aren't gonna really leave you alone even when they're older although I hear from moms of teenagers that that's a good thing I think for me I still have a lot of trust with my children my older daughters too so they haven't shut down yet there are moments when they shut the door in my face yes but they haven't shut down and they still come and ask me things and ask me for advice and ask me questions and they're talking to me so when I find that you know them constantly needing me is hard I remind myself at least they're looking for me you know at least I get to be here for them this was a huge tip for me is always replace your I should with I get to. So instead of saying I should do the dishes, I should cook for my kids, I should play with my children, replace that with I get to. I get to do the dishes. I get to play with my kids. I get to buy 12 months old onesies for my daughter. You know, sure, it still work, but I think just that slight shift of perspective makes things a little more easier for us and 
it also reminds us that we're blessed to be moms and that we're blessed to have children because the truth is there are so many women out there who are unable to have children, who are dealing with infertility, who are dealing with, you know, multiple miscarriages or their children have special needs that they could never talk and ask you a question and they can't walk. You know, there are so many people out there who are truly, truly struggling. So I'm not saying this to minimize struggles in motherhood because trust me, it's hard and it's real. But I am just suggesting that when things get very difficult, it's definitely helpful for us to shift our mindset and think about things in terms of what we get to do versus what we have to do. And that's a really big tip that I received when I was in therapy many years ago due to postpartum depression. And if you want to hear more about that, check out my podcast episode about postpartum depression. So mom guilt is real. It's normal. You're going to have it every step of the way. (laughs) It's like, don't even like, don't be so hard on yourself about it. I think it just comes from the fact that we love our children that much and we want to give them the best that we can possibly give them. You know, we set high standards for ourselves. Sometimes when I look at my husband, I don't feel like he has guilt because he's always like, I'm doing enough. Like, oh, my, I'm so, my kids are lucky. I, I play with my kids. It's almost like he has a different perspective about what he does for the children. And I think it's very healthy for him. There were times when I would kind of resent it because I would be like, well, there's always more things you can do for your children. How come that's enough for you? But for my husband, it's enough. And I think a lot of people actually take that approach and it's a good thing because it doesn't burn you out. You don't get stressed out and you're not hard on yourself and you feel confident in your ability um, as a parent. So I think mom guilt comes from the fact that we are achieving for perfection, you know, or we have really high standards ourselves, which a lot of women tend to do. Um, I always repeat this, but I come from a mom who was an amazing homemaker, almost to the point of being a martyr. And that's what I saw growing up. So it was really hard for me to adjust to this like imperfect motherhood. And that's what I'm doing. You know, that's what I'm doing. That's how I'm living and maintaining my family of four children. And they all seem happy and they're great. Number three, nothing will go as planned. Short and simple, nothing will go as planned. You can plan all you want, but it's not going to happen. So you might as well just give that up and pick and choose your battles wisely. I had my entire plan laid out and I'm not much of a control freak when it comes to motherhood because luckily having a special needs daughter like Elise, it taught me that like nothing can be controlled. Everything is out of our hands because You know, you never think you're going to have a child with special needs. And when you do, your world just comes crashing down upon you. And it really just like stirs you up from the core. And you really have to rebuild yourself and rebuild your plans and be okay with the change and the transformation. And it also makes you more flexible and more understanding and more open-minded and more tolerant. And in many ways, I'm very thankful that my first daughter has special needs, not my last, because it just put me on this fast track 
I like to say this fast pass to difficult, like the most challenging motherhood there is. And I survived through it. I think it just made me so much stronger that now I'm able to let go and surrender and know that nothing will go as you planned. Think about what happened in 2020. Who knew this would happen? Who knew our children are going to be out of schools for so long? I had everything figured out when I was pregnant with my fourth baby. And now I realize I don't even know what next month holds. I don't even know what the future holds. I don't even know when my children are going to go back to school. And, you know, I'm learning to be okay with that. Number four, your husband and partner is your ally. This is hard, you know, especially when you're so stressed out and overworked, you know, mostly in most households. And this is not all cases, but most women and mothers tend to do more than their male counterparts, which means the women are carrying more of the burden of parenting and more resentment. And, you know, women tend to do things in a sacrificial way because we love our children so much that sometimes we end up doing too much and we burn out. And at times like this, it's very easy to feel resentful towards your partner. And I did this where, you know, I would never really take it out on my children. So I wasn't really an angry mom. I mean, there were moments when I was angry, but a lot of my anger and resentment was towards my husband in the early years, especially. Now it's not really like that anymore. And again, you can hear more about this if you go back on my to my other episodes about 10 things I've learned in marriage, but just be careful of that. You know, your husband is your ally. Keep reminding him you're we're on the same team. We, we are in this together. We need to do this together. Um, this is sense of community that we have that I hope that you have with me. It needs to extend to our partners and our partners need to be allowed a safe space to learn how to be a father and a husband too. I think often this entire fairy tale myth of finding the perfect husband, finding the perfect guy. And trust me, a lot of, you know, no girl is crazy enough to marry someone when they don't feel that the man is perfect or the woman is perfect for them. You know, we all get married because we feel like, oh, this person is it. I love this person so much and we're going to be happily ever after. And no, it's not true. It's not going to happen. I mean, I'm sure there are some marriages, you know, where it does happen, but it's more rare. You know, most marriages, you have to learn to negotiate, to compromise, to grow together. And, you know, similar to yourself, like my number one tip of just aiming for progress and perfection, you know, do the same for your spouse. Don't expect perfection, but aim for progress. This is a work in progress for me. Even 15, 16 years into the marriage, I still have difficulties with my husband because of our different lifestyles. I'm more like type A. I like things organized and clean and planned out. My husband is more like, you know, he's the breadwinner. He likes to go out there. He's a businessman. He likes to meet people, have meetings and make money and save money. He's more of like, the hunter and gatherer like he brings home and it's up to me to take care of that in the home and recently I just haven't been able to do it all because I'm also working too so we're still in the process of 
refiguring out our roles and restructuring our boundaries. And I think that's a non-stop process. You know, what worked for us 10 years ago isn't working for us now. What we thought we had it all together a few years ago when we had three children is now changing. So again, we need to sit down and restructure and reconfigure things. And that's part of marriage. So just know that your husband and your partner is an ally. And if you need more, like more practical tips, please go back to my other episode about the things that I learned in my marriage. Um, hopefully that episode will help you and with more details. Number five, and your husband and mom will always understand you, you know, so don't rely on them too much. Sometimes your husband and your mom, even though they love you and they mean well, could be the very people who make things hard for you because you're just so frustrated. Like, why aren't they understanding me when they love me so much? Or, you know, my husband's supposed to do this. He's my best friend. Or my mom is supposed to be my best friend and my um, best ally. And things are not being done. And they're not there for me. The list goes on. Just know that your husband and your mom won't always understand you. And motherhood is a very lonely journey. I think sometimes it's a growth journey that leads us to like the true ultimate self-love and self-reliance where you're just relying on yourself first and foremost. This doesn't mean that you can't ask for help. You do ask for help, yet you know that at the end of the day, only you yourself is in full control over your emotions, your actions, your behaviors, your mental well-being. Like no one else can do that for you. It's never your husband's fault or your mom's fault or your dad's fault or anyone's fault that you are feeling the way you are today. It's entirely up to us to own that. It's up to us to unravel that, whether it's through therapy, journaling, talking to people. Follow some accounts on social media. There's so much invaluable information out there about mental health and spirituality and how to overcome depression and anxiety. So yeah, like use all those resources, a lot of amazing free resources out there. Just know that you can't rely on anyone else truly but yourself. So um, number four, number five are kind of contradictory, but it really is the truth is that your partner is your ally, yet they're not always going to understand you. And, you know, sometimes you're going to need to figure things out on your own and take charge. And that's part of motherhood. Number six, your circle and friendship will change through motherhood. This is a big one. And this, is, this doesn't mean that anything is wrong with your friends. I mean, sometimes it is. But in most cases, I think, you know, as we go through different phases in life, our old friends just kind of fall away. They could no longer resonate with us they're no longer connecting with us and partly it's because it's time to go separate ways and you know um i don't want to sound too deep but i believe we all have like a soul connection so some people say we have soul contracts where before you know our souls meet we say okay we're gonna be together for a certain amount of time and not everyone is meant to stay in our lives forever and this was a really hard one for me to um, understand and embody because 
I love my friends. You know, I tend to, I'm a very loyal person and I love my friends sometimes even more than my boyfriends. When I was younger, I was more loyal to my friends than my boyfriend. I was a girl's girl. So when those girlfriends fall away one by one without you feeling like you did anything wrong, it can be very hurtful. It can be very isolating. When I first had my first baby, I lost like all my friends. And it wasn't because I did anything wrong. I almost felt like they just couldn't relate to me. And there just may have been some, you know, feelings or emotions that weren't expressed. I have no uh, resentment towards them whatsoever. I actually don't have like any hatred towards any friends who have fallen away from my life. Um, instead, I feel grateful because I now see why we couldn't continue to be friends. I think that would have been worse for me. Some of those friends could have easily turned to like toxic relationships with jealousy and just inauthenticity, you know, just being kind of fake or, you know, being your friend, but kind of wishing bad upon you, like frenemies. I think there are some relationships where it ends up like that. So now I am very thankful for those friendships that didn't work out because I see why we're not friends. It doesn't really matter to me anymore because I just need a few good friends. I need a few good, really genuine friendships where I can just pick it up right where I left it. I honestly, right now in this season of my life, don't have too much energy and time for friendships, but I do have close friends that I know are always going to be there and they're all busy doing their own thing too as moms and as working moms or as stay-at-home moms. And, you know, I'm grateful for that. So your circle of friendships changing is a very natural process of motherhood. Um, if some friends stay, even though they're single, that's great. Like you are so lucky to have friends like that. Even with other mothers, just because you're a mom doesn't mean that all mothers are going to continue to stay close friends because we all have different ways of mothering our children. And that's okay too, you know, so just let it be like, let them come in and out of your life as they please. You don't need to hold on to anything or try to fix anything. I mean, of course, if there's a misunderstanding, you know, you want to express that. But true friendships should be able to survive those misunderstandings. If, and sometimes if you feel like you don't, you just don't want to put in the extra work, listen to that. That's telling you something, you know. There is a reason why you don't want to put in any more work into that friendship. That means that it's time for that friendship to be gone. Like you you have to just move past it and time will heal that. And a new person may come into your life too. And this was a big thing when I was younger. I thought like old friends were everything, you know, like old friends are my best friends, but that's not necessarily true. It's great, I think, to have friends because they know a part of you that is so precious to you, you know, like sometimes I love hanging out with my old high school friends. We just like talk about our past and what we used to do and it's you know it brings a lot of joy but you can't do that with everyone and not all your old friends are gonna go with you you know onto your next life and sometimes your new friends are gonna be the most cherished ones where you know you get to know each other in a more mature way and they know the real you instead of looking at you for who you were 10 years ago there are special elements to new friendships too. So don't get so caught up in old friendships. You know, sometimes you have to leave your old friendships behind and move on to your new friendships. And as you navigate through these moments, you know, you may feel lonely and you may feel like you might 
never have that have a friendship that looks like that, you will. You know, if you're in the right place and you know you just continue to focus on yourself and what brings you joy and your family, you will find new friendships that's valuable and that brings you so much joy and laughter. So just keep trying, keep an open mind and keep those doors open. Number seven, always listen to your intuition. This is key. I say this over and over again, but just when you're a mom, you know best. Don't let any other family member or professional tell you that you're wrong when you feel something. And this includes doctors. And of course, there are times when medical advice is necessary. And I believe in science and medicine, but there are times when you just know best what's best for your children. So for example, like a dilemma that I'm facing right now is my son, he's four and he should be in preschool. He's missing out an entire preschool experience because of COVID. And I just visited a classroom three weeks ago. I love the school. So I know that I want him to be a part of it. The question is when, and right now I'm trying to tap into my intuition and pray about it. And I don't know a hundred percent because I don't know a hundred percent. I take that as my sign to not make a decision right now. It's just my intuition telling me just wait a little bit, you know, wait till you're more sure. My intuition tells me I'm unsure, which means it's not the right time to make a decision. So that's another piece of advice that I hope you take away from this episode. Lastly, this is number eight. I think I'm going to have to stop here because my kids are outside yelling and running around. Um, My in-laws are here to watch them. So I'm just continuing with the episode. But this is my last tip. Your body is amazing. Listen to your body and trust your body. So today, before I record this podcast, I am a part of this Digby health program. It was a sponsored It was a sponsor opportunity for me to try out this program called Digby, where I submitted my gene sample. It was a saliva sample. It took a couple of weeks for it to come back. I would highly recommend this test, by the way. It's about like $399 or something like that. But it's so worth it because it pretty much like breaks down all the information that's in your genetics to tell you like which diet is good for you, like you're just the different traits of your genetics. And what is so interesting is that I already knew what was good for my body. You know, I'm always, I always talk about this, like I listen to my body, I eat what I, what feels good to me. And I was so shocked to know that I was doing exactly what the test result recommended me to do. What before I saw the test, I was actually like very proud of myself for being in tune with my body and yoga and my meditation helped with this a lot that I already knew what was good for me before science was able to tell me this. So for example, the coach said that I'm lactose intolerant. I never knew that because I never took a test for it, but I always kind of knew that lactose wasn't good for my body because I would just feel tired, kind of gassy. So I had already cut out milk and just a lot of dairy from my diet. I would still do like yogurt and like cheese. I liked hard cheese and my coach said hard cheese is okay and yogurt is okay as long as you eat it in moderation. 
and caffeine. I guess I'm very sensitive to caffeine. So she said no more than six to two to six ounces a day because I don't process. My body doesn't process caffeine too well. And that's exactly what I was doing. I would drink one, no more than two cups. By the time I'm on like my second cup, like half cup, I, I already know, okay, I'm done. Like my body can't take any more coffee. So I stopped and I never drink caffeine late at night. And sure enough, science tells me that that's not good, good for me. So like I already knew that before the report came back, also that I need to eat more protein and carbs, like protein and carbs is not so fatty for me as fats are. So I have to avoid certain fats, like fats is what is most fatty for me, like my body can tolerate carbs and protein pretty well. And that's exactly what how I've been eating. I love carbs. I love protein. Um, lean meat is what the coach recommended. She said, don't avoid fatty meat. And again, that's exactly what I've been eating. I don't like fatty meat. My husband's a big foodie and he loves fatty meat. And he says, oh, you don't really know how to eat meat because you only like the lean parts. But the report came back and says the lean protein is what's best for you. Avoid any fatty meat. So it's almost like my taste buds already know that, know what's good for me and what's not. So it was so interesting. I mean, there's so much more to the test result I want to share on my Instagram, but I learned so much about my body and my genetics and it was just very like mind blowing. It was like a huge affirmation for me that I, by listening to my body and listening to my intuition, I was already doing what is right for my body according to genetics as tested by science. So again, it goes to show that our intuition knows and that our body, listening to our body is key. So when you're a mom, you can't afford to get sick. When we go down, our entire family goes down. You guys know how that works. We need to take care of ourselves. Again, it comes back to self-care. It's so important for us to take care of ourselves. That's the best way to love our families because when we fail to take care of ourselves and love ourselves, our family is going to feel that and we're going to fall short. Not that falling short is bad. It's just not going to make us feel fulfilled in motherhood, you know, like you're still enough, even if you're not doing things right. I don't want you to ever feel like I'm not doing all of these things that Angela's doing, you know, I'm not working, I'm not having four kids, and I'm not loving motherhood, you know, I must be doing something wrong. I'm like, no, I don't want you to ever think that by listening to my podcast. But I do want you to see that, you know, it's a process. Struggle is a part of this journey. It's uh, it's a it's a part of this journey that I love to share with you guys because I want you guys to find hope and courage through these stories. I want you to know that you're not alone and that everyone goes through it, including myself. And I also want you to see that there's an amazing life after that too. You know, after the postpartum depression, after the marriage struggles, after having a special needs child or after having a, a spiritual crisis of some sort, you can come to a place, a very happy, fulfilling, joyous place where you're truly aligned to your soul purpose. So that's why I share these stories. I don't ever want you to feel like you're not enough or you're not doing enough because you're always enough. You're breathing, you're listening to this, you're alive. You, you can hear the sound of birds chirping in the air. 
You can see the beauty of the sky. You are, you are so alive and you are so blessed. Just the fact that we are breathing today and that we are here today means we're worthy and we deserve to be here. So let's be fully present. It's a very difficult time, but you know, let's get through it together. Thank you guys for being there on the other side, listening to my very personal and casual and imperfect podcast episodes. If you had some extra distraction noise in the background, I apologize. But if I try to find a time where everything's perfectly quiet, this podcast will never continue because I don't have quiet space in my home. But you know, I still enjoy being here and talking to you guys. So thank you so much. I love you all. I hope you have a great week. And I hope you know, we have a great November and December because we're almost towards the end of the year. We got this. I love you. Thank you for being here. Have a wonderful week and I'll talk to you next week. You are my sunlight. Thanks so much for listening to Mommy Diary, the podcast. If you can relate to any of my stories, my hope is that you leave this episode feeling a little less alone and a lot more inspired. For more parenting and lifestyle stories, head over to my blog, mommy-diary.com or join me on Instagram at mommydiary. If you're loving this podcast, please subscribe, rate, and leave a five-star review. I love connecting with you, so send me a DM and let me know what you'd like to hear next. Talk to you next week.